0: This is Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Hey yo, what's going on? How are you doing? I, since you asked, am doing very well. Thank you so much for joining the program once again. I want to ask you a few questions today, including one that's been on my mind because I can no longer deny it. It's official. We are into that season known as autumn or fall. And as much as I loved and enjoyed this summer, I have to acknowledge that it is over. But, you know, I have never been one for this season. And all around me, there are people who are so happy. They get to dress in these different kinds of clothes and, you know, sleep with the window open and be all happy. And I don't really like fall. I, I, I think fall is a very dark, dark time in our lives. I honestly do. But... I think I'm in the minority here. I've been overwhelmed by all these people recently loving the fact that we are changing seasons. So maybe a little later on, very soon, you can call in and you can tell me what's so great about this season. Why do you like fall? Why do you like when everything's dying and turning brown? What is it? What, what, what is it with that, that that stirs the emotions inside of you? It's not going to be too long before you can give me the answer, and I really, really want to know because I'm just sad. Beautiful summer that we were enjoying, interrupted by this other thing called fall. It is Desmond Cole, of course, In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010, and, you know, if you want to send me a message throughout the program, you can do so at 416-872-1010. That's 416 872 Ten ten. Text the program at 71010. I am also on the Twitter, at Desmond Cole. Be sure to hit me up with a message there if you like. To begin, there's been a lot of news once again this week in Canada about things happening south of the border in the United States, about men being killed by police officers in the United States. I'm talking of course about Keith Lamont Scott and Terence Crutcher. May they rest in peace. Two men who should still be alive if it were not for the incredibly violent and inhumane actions of police officers in each of these individual cases. Now if you have listened to the news at all this week You know about this, because we in the Canadian media cover these stories. We cover what's been happening in North Carolina as a result. And the fact that people are out in the streets night after night protesting, furious at the fact that this continues to happen to black men in their country. We're having a conversation about policing, though, here in the city of Toronto also. And I always like to bring it back home. Because we don't talk nearly as much about things that happen right here in this city as we do about things that happen in the United States. And I want to cite two examples of things that happened this week that I'm sure you probably didn't hear about. And they're cases of police shootings in this city that happened within the last several months. But it just so happened that this week, the Special Investigations Unit, which is that body that investigates any incident involving um, an assault, a killing, or a sexual assault involving a police officer in Ontario. Two decisions handed down by the SIU this week, both of them involving Toronto police, both of them involving Toronto police shooting individuals multiple times. And in both cases... No charges laid against the officers. In other words, the SIU determining, we looked at the facts and our opinion is that nothing criminal went on when these police officers shot civilians. One of these cases was documented in an article in the Toronto Star. It's actually a Canadian press article. I should correct myself there. Two Toronto police officers who shot a mentally unstable woman armed with a meat cleaver several times after she threatened to harm her young son and paramedics last November won't be facing charges. That's the lead of this story. We don't know this woman's name, and although the article is not clear in the fact that she survived this incident, she did. But I imagine her life is... Irre- irrevocably altered after this what we understand from this story is that this woman was actually the one who called 911 herself so i want you to imagine that she is in mental distress but she has the wherewithal to say you know what would be the safe thing for me to do right now it would be to call emergency services for help that's what she did um Paramedics responded, but they left because she was brandishing a knife. So the paramedics left the scene. The police arrived. Now, according to the SIU, the police arrived. The woman was kind of standing around in her apartment, and her son, who she uh, was in the room with, was also present. Now, this is a very obviously challenging situation for the police. But what happened? They say that the woman was actually, you know, at her sink. She was drinking a glass of water. The police were repeatedly telling her to drop the knife that she had in her hand, and she did not. And at that point, they say that she rushed at the police officers, whereupon she was shot three times. The SIU report, interestingly enough, uh, it goes to the trouble of telling us that her son was not in the room when the shots were fired at her and hit her. her. It must have been a very, very short time frame from her son leaving the room and not being able to see his mom getting shot and those shots being fired. I also kind of wonder if she didn't have her son in the room anymore Was there no other option? He wasn't in danger. That's what the SIU report says. She was shot three times and taken to hospital. She survived. No charges against the officers. Another incident, another very sad story, involves a 31-year-old man in Toronto who was shot three times by the police. And once again, the police officers were cleared in that situation in this case. This man, according to the SIU report, was in the hospital he discharged from the hospital, but staff became concerned because they believed that they could smell alcohol on the man's breath. And so he left the hospital, but the, this, the hospital staff called the police, saying, this man is just discharged, but we're worried that he has left intoxicated and we want to make sure that he gets home safe. So the man did get home safe, and the police Actually, or sorry, the hospital staff called him and they said, we actually called the police to let them know we thought you were leaving this place intoxicated. We didn't want you to drive home drunk. And that made this man very upset. He told the hospital staff on the phone, I'm very upset that you called the police on me. Oh, and by the way, I have a knife. So officers arrive at the man's home. Remember, he made it home safely. That's the reason why the police were called the fear that he was intoxicated. But he made it home. The officers arrived to his home. They say that they attempted to check on his well-being, but seconds later, the man walked out of the house holding a large knife in his right hand, and he pointed the knife at the officers. This guy was also shot three times. In both of these situations, the person who was shot was in mental distress and either they called the police for help or someone else called to say you need to go help this person and each of them took three bullets from the police. The thing that really interests me about this second case though is that in the case of the 31-year-old man who was shot three times and also tased by the way, The police wanted to bring in a mobile crisis intervention team. And we've talked about what those are, and and they comprise of a mental health nurse and uh, typically a specially trained police officer, which actually tells you something, because not all police officers are trained to deal with people with mental health issues. They have specially trained ones that are part of these mobile crisis intervention teams. So when they heard that this guy had maybe driven home drunk, was at home, in distress. They tried to call one of these teams to go talk to him instead of deploying the police. But that mobile crisis intervention team was not available. I believe that's because we only have two of them in the city of Toronto that are currently operating. We are about to spend $85 million dollars on body cameras for the police. The idea being that incidents like this, where civilians get shot by the police, will be less likely to happen if the cops are wearing body cameras. 85 million dollars? How many mobile crisis intervention teams could we have in the city of Toronto for 85 million dollars? And wouldn't that be a much better use of our resources than body cameras That, as we keep seeing, can capture carnage, death, violence, but don't necessarily prevent it. It's Desmond Cole. It's In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. It's 4.15.
2: This is Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
1: Yeah, welcome back. Just before the break, we were talking about incidents of police shootings in the city of Toronto, because just this past week, and I'm sure you probably didn't hear about it, but in two different cases, each case, a civilian in Toronto shot three times by the police. This past week, the SIU be, uh, came out with its findings on each of those two incidents. And in each case, decided not to charge that individual or individuals who shot civilians with any, any uh, criminal charges. And it's just so sad because in each of these cases, the people who we're talking about were very, very clearly in mental distress. One woman actually called 911 herself for help and ended up taking three police bullets. And the other gentleman was discharged from a hospital, and the hospital staff believed that he might be intoxicated, so they called the police to be like, hey, can you check on this guy? And, and we're not sure if he's all right. He might have you know, gone home drunk from the hospital. That man also ended up with three bullets in him. In each case, the SIU determined no charges needed here. So, I mean... <laughs> It's just so chilling, this expectation that we're built up to have here in the city of Toronto, that every time police use this kind of force, there won't be any criminal charges. That these kinds of situations are just inevitable. That there's nothing else that we can do. Even when people call for help themselves, call 911, that it's somehow understandable that they get shot. And we were talking about mobile crisis intervention teams specially trained nurses and police who can come in to scenes like this instead of having a huge armed detail. But that team wasn't available in the case of a 31-year-old man who was shot three times by the Toronto police. We don't have enough of these teams in the city in order to really dispatch them when they're needed. So the police go instead, and these are the kinds of things that can happen. Norman has been listening and called in from Toronto. Hello, Norman. Yes, how are you doing, sir? Fine, thank you.
0: I basically wanted to say that the whole question of mental illness. There have been a uh, several people in, in in Toronto that have been killed that had mental illness issues. There was a Euro Canadian, I can't remember his name. There was also a uh, Chinese Canadian that was killed. They they had mental issues. Also in uh, Ottawa, we had Ab- Abdul Rahman Abdi. He had mental uh, uh, illness. He had mental. He had he had problems.
1: There, there have been and many. I mean, Andrew Loku also comes to mind. That's what um, I mentioned, yeah, right. Uh, and and I think we can include also sometimes people who are intoxicated. So that would have to include folks like Sammy Yateem. You know, like people might not be in the right frame of mind when they have these encounters with police.
0: And let me say that they, you know in Tulsa and in uh, Charlotte, a black officer was implicated in that situation and there was a Euro American woman that had a real weird history and I think it was Dead Prez that talked about the state. And I think that the police the role of the of the of the police is to protect uh private property and rich people's property. It's not really uh they are targeting people, African people are uh, number one, but it's not exclusively African people. Of course, they they do it to Latinos and uh, uh, even women. They've, they 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 the police have, have killed women and shot women, even here in Toronto. Well, that
1: case uh, that I just read uh, to you, and I mean, and <clears throat> when we talk about Norman, um, when we talk about people who are vulnerable. It isn't just one group of people. It's not just people who are black. It's also people who have mental health issues and we see a huge coming together of those two things where if you are black and you have a mental health issue like Andrew Lopez. Like and exactly. Like Abdul Rahman Abdi, it seems much more likely that something horrible is gonna happen in one of these encounters. But I thank you very much for calling in. Uh, thank you. Yeah. 416-872-1010 is the number to call. I see a couple more of you are trying to get in here on the phone also. You know, 85 million dollars, I was saying before the break, is what we intend to spend on body cameras. But, I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. Think about the fact that police used this amount of force in each of these cases, and the SIU said the force that they used was proper. Whether or not an incident like that is filmed on a camera doesn't change whether the SIU thinks that the police acted correctly or not. Just because there's video of it doesn't mean that it's going to change the SIU's mind or that the police's version of the story is not going to carry huge credibility. The police's story is always going to carry huge credibility. But what we want is to not have it come to the point where it's the police's word against, well, hopefully a victim, even if they survive, like in these cases, but in a lot of cases, the individual doesn't survive to tell their side of what happened. So is a body camera, $85 million worth, going to get us a less likely chance that a person experiencing a mental health crisis is going to be shot by the police? I'm not convinced. And when I see these repeated issues in the United States of people being killed, even though there are tasers, even though there are body cameras, those didn't save people's lives. The decision that the police make is the lifesaver, if they choose to make it. Peter is in Toronto. Hi, Peter.
3: Hi, Desmond. I do believe it shows a certain amount of cowardice, and I don't use that word lightly, on behalf of the police, when they're dealing with someone in distress, they could back off, call for backup. And then use shields to protect themselves, um, and then use their batons to disarm a person and and or such.
1: So Let's you know, you, wait know them out. you know what's interesting about you saying that, Peter, is that in the case of this thirty-one-year-old man who's not named, by the way, I don't use these folks' names because they're not in the S.I.U. reports. Mm-hmm. But uh, the paramedics did come to his, or sorry, the, the, it was the woman that who was involved, the forty-three-year-old. The paramedics came to her house first, and when they saw her with a knife, they just backed off. So they didn't feel like if we don't take this woman out right now, then, you know, exactly. uh, they, they actually waited for the police.
3: But, but here's the thing. In London, where police are not armed as a matter of routine. London, England, is that is. Yeah. Or uh, the UK, they, they, use, they, they have shields in their cars and they surround someone and they use a group tactic to disarm them and nobody dies. But apparently this is too much trouble in the eyes of not just the Toronto police, but police forces across North America. When people who are not armed do not have guns, they're, they're, the, the police think their lives are more important than that of the public they serve.
1: I'm afraid we see too much of that, Peter. Thank you very much for the call. Um, people talk a lot when I talk about disarming the police. I see Trevor on the line. I, I see if I can get to you after the break, Trevor, but people say, well, what about the safety of the police officers? And to my last caller Peter's point, we have gone from police being here to protect and ensure our safety to having conversations about whether police who choose to go into these situations with their guns drawn are going to be safe. So their safety actually has become paramount, even if they have to take public safety away in order to guarantee their own. Don't think that's how it was supposed to be working when people envision police. But if you believe my last caller, Norman, maybe that's the way policing has always worked. When we come back, I'm going to ask you, and I really want you to tell me, why do you guys like fall so much? Why do you like autumn? You know that time when everything dies? Make your case to me after we come back from a break. It's Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
2: Desmond Cole is on in death radio News Talk ten ten.
1: Yes, I am coming up a little later on in the program. Do you know that since June the first this is this is a lot, guys. Over a thousand people in the city of Toronto, cyclists, pedestrians, have been hit on our streets since June the first. I want to dig into that a little bit later on with you. It's Desmond Cole on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Uh, I was talking about two incidents involving police shootings in Toronto that the SIU just ruled on this week. And it's amazing to me how these things don't make the news. But every single incident of police violence in the United States that is high profile does seem to make our news in Canada and in Toronto. Uh, and I was receiving some calls, and the last of which is Trevor, who's been waiting very patiently on the line. Hi, Trevor. Hey, how's it going? Well, thank you.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, I... This this, this subject has been giving me an issue for a long time. Like, I I just hate the fact that, you know, by giving police officers guns to protect themselves, you know, as, as a society, we granted them power. They... Are basically better off. Like they're they're basically saying that that police officers' lives are more important and valuable than reg- regular citizens, because you know if you take away the guns, then they no longer have that argument, right? Like they're they're protecting themselves, but now they're they're misusing and abusing that power. And they're they're you know like there may be you know ninety percent good cops, but like you know if there's a few bad ones, that just have bad days and are are willing to shoot people on on a whim like it's just not worth it like london does a very good job of policing and they have a special unit that they can call if it requires
1: a gun so so let me ask you then trevor because everybody brings up london england people have heard of uh, of the you know the beat officers in the uk that don't carry weapons but I get a feeling that people here don 't actually believe that that 'll work. Do you get the same sense like what is it that that uh, makes us have cops with guns at all? because there must be something that people are afraid of if we, otherwise no police would have them
4: yeah, I agree i I think that enough people maybe just don 't realize that you you 're granting a certain you know subset of population of the people, police officers, with this you know supreme power of having a gun and you know i think it's going to take a lot of people to die unfortunately for us to realize to take it away and and i do think i agree with you i think there are probably more people than there should be that think that they need this protection when in fact i don't think we do i don't think there's enough situations that warrant a police officer needing a gun especially when the downside is that so many people can get killed by the abuse of it I, i just don't i don't know Like i agree i think there is kind of a problem i think people do generally think that that is a good idea, but I just hate it. I hate the fact that people are innocent people, vulnerable innocent people are dying.
1: I do too, Trevor. Thank you so much for the call. Yeah. Thanks to all of you for calling in. Interestingly, so there would have been a story about a police shooting this week that you did hear about, and that was the one that happened in the uh, Yorkville area, and you would have probably heard that there was a a lawyer, a high-profile lawyer who was shot in the annex, and then an off-duty, or sorry, I should say undercover police officer, not off-duty, an undercover police officer from Halton region actually shot the man who shot the lawyer. What was an on-duty, armed, you know, undercover police officer just doing hanging around Yorkville when this shooting went down? Did you ever ask yourself that when you heard that story reported this week? It really sounds to me like the police had some idea that someone was going to do something, and they had people there with their weapons at the ready in case something happened. And it did happen, and they responded in that case. But you can see how different that that is from somebody calling 911 saying, I'm in mental distress, help me, and getting shot those two situations are not nearly equivalent and in only one of those situations do i think you can ever justify the police being armed but thank you very much for your calls we got to move on because i need to know right now from you at 416-872-1010 or at 71010 why do you like fall so much so If you listen to this show during the summer, you know that when it was 48 degrees in the shade, 56 with the humidity, when you, you know, were dripping just from taking a deep breath in, you know that I loved that, that I was not at all complaining or upset because that is how I think things should be all the time. Just, just, just oppressively hot. I love that, doesn't bother me one bit. But now it is not only officially fall in terms of the calendar, but the weather is starting to change and you can feel it. And you can feel that this glorious balmy summer that we just passed was, uh, was a good thing as far as I'm concerned, but it is over now. And a lot of you are celebrating and I'm very bitter because my wonderful season is at an end. But I want to give you a chance to acquit yourselves and to explain to me why you like fall. Why do you like autumn so much? Because I think I'm in the minority of people who would be wanting to sweat it out still for another several months. I don't think that that's everybody from what I'm hearing around in my circles. So what is it about this season that you like so much? 416 You can text me at 71010 you can actually uh, send me a message on the Twitter. T- Tony Tedesco, the producer of this program, has his hand up like an eager schoolchild waiting to answer a question. So you're one of the bad people
5: that likes fall. Well, no, I just like the fact that it's my birthday soon.
6: Oh. Well,
5: I'm going to... My birthday make- in this, in this, in this. So you said that, you know, everything dies at this time of year? Yes. But I... But, 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 but your producer was born at this time. <laughs> <here.
1: laughs> Touche. Okay, fair enough. So birthday wishes for Tony whenever... You have to, you have to remind us because we're going to make a big deal and embarrass you on the air. But that's a good reason. Having a birthday in the fall, I can't hate on. But, like, what is it? Like, I just get sad, guys. I, I, I think about the days, and I look at the clock, and I look at how it looks outside. And right now... You know, outside the windows of the News Talk 1010 studio, it is gorgeous. But it's going to start getting dark too soon. And all I can think about is the increasing, encroaching darkness. And I get so sad. I don't like this. It's scary. But Patrick and Aurora, you'd really like fall. Why? What's going on? Patrick. Patrick, Hey, in hey Patrick and Aurora, why How do you, you love doing? fall so much, man?
2: Um, I'm a fair-skinned redhead. I get a sunburn taking my garbage <laughs> out. So um, I like it when the, uh, the season changes to this time of the year. I can go out. I don't have to worry about putting on sunblock or a hat or being aware of where that sun is all the time. I can actually go and enjoy the outdoors because I cannot do that in the summer.
1: So So. you and I have opposite problems because, Patrick, I have never gotten a sunburn in my life. Hand to God.
2: I've never had a suntan. People are like Caribbean for vacation. I go, you're nuts. Like I would rather go anywhere but the Caribbean. I'll go to the museum (laughs) so I can go indoors and not have to worry about getting a sunburn. So you were built for this. I've had blisters. They're so bad. Blisters on my shoulders and my back.
1: Okay, well, now I feel just awful for even bringing this up. Patrick, <laughs> thank you very much for calling. 416-872-1010 is always the number to call. No, that is the truth. You can't see me. It's only radio. But I'm, I'm, I'm a dark-skinned black man, and I do not burn. It does not matter how much time I spend laying luxuriously out in the sunshine. I, I, I it, it just can't happen. So I have, no, I have no kind of frame of reference for people like Patrick, who, <laughs> I like that, sunburn when he takes out the garbage. It's a tough life out there. When we come back, we're going to talk about cycling and pedestrianing. You know pedestrianing? Well, whatever you want to call walking, it's apparently no longer safe in the city of Toronto, and we're going to talk about that in a bit Desmond Cole, In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
2: Desmond Cole is on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Hey, yo, listen, if you ever want to go back and listen to an episode of this program, it's very simple. Just go to Newstalk1010.com. We've got a list of shows there. You can click on mine and download a podcast or stream a podcast for every single episode of this program. That's right. Newstalk1010.com. It's 446. It's 17 degrees. I still don't like fall, but I'm going to deal with it. Um, You know, an interesting report came out this week. I'm on Twitter a lot. You guys know on the Twitter that I'm always there. (laughs) In fact, my colleague, Siobhan Morris who you hear regularly here on News Talk 1010, just sent me a little tweet thanking me for talking about how fall is just a difficult time of year for me because everything turns brown and falls to the ground. It just makes me feel so... (sighs) Siobhan Morris gets it. Somebody around here understands what I'm going through. You guys don't know what I suffer. But I, I like Twitter for things like this. Just random little bits and bites from people that I know or people that I don't know. But of course, we all follow social media for much more serious things sometimes. And um, one of the things that our police in the city of Toronto do is they tweet out incidents of fatalities and collisions on our roads. Now, this is obviously because people getting hurt on the street is a public safety concern. But it's equally because when something like this happens, it's a traffic issue. And you guys know how we love to report on traffic in the city of Toronto. And so um, the police regularly will tweet out, you know, somebody uh, who was walking was hit by a car. A cyclist who was, uh, you know, making a turn got hit by a vehicle. In this area of town at this time, uh, police are on the scene or police are on their way. So people started tracking this to try and determine, well, how often is this happening? How often is it that somebody is getting hit, uh, injured, even killed by an automobile um, in the city of Toronto? How often is a cyclist running into a pedestrian, et cetera? And it turned out that just looking at the police's uh, numbers of this, of what they were sending out on social media, was actually not giving the full picture. Because it turns out that this happens so often that if the police wanted to report on every single time somebody got into a collision in the city of Toronto in terms of, I'm just talking cyclists and pedestrians, I'm not even talking about cars smashing into one another, which, of course, is also extremely dangerous. But just for cyclists and pedestrians, if the police wanted to report on all of these, that's probably all they would do. Why? Because since June the 1st in the city of Toronto, more than a 1,000 cyclists and pedestrians have been hit on the street. Specifically, 542 pedestrians and 541 cyclists, an almost equivalent amount. Since June 1st! And, you know, I talk about not liking autumn. One thing we do know is when the uh, the season changes and we change our clocks backwards and it gets dark earlier. Usually we see a spike in this kind of activity with people getting hit, walking across the street because it's dark. People aren't watching uh, for people. Their eyes are not adjusted to driving at those times. You know, Mike Catherwood's on the big board this afternoon and he knows the subject a little too intimately uh, don't you mike because you had uh, you had your own incident while you were riding a bicycle
6: yep i got smucked this was two years ago so i'm not involved in those stats but uh in 2014 i got doored by someone i was in a bike lane on college and someone just opened their door right in front of me out of nowhere and i uh, took a tumble didn't land it
1: how's that affected you
6: screwed up my shoulder had three surgeries and uh, i'm still working on it do you still ride I've just in the last summer I've I, got, I get on my bike every once in a while, but nowhere near what I used to, and I go so much slower. And I used to drive with confidence. I do not bike with confidence now. It's in your mind now. Absolutely. Oh God. I, every single if I going by parked cars, I'm in the middle of the street because I do not want to get doored again. Um, I come to complete stops. at all ways stops. I know people would like to like to hear that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just got, I, we
1: have to make sure and interrogate you to make sure it wasn't your fault. Of course. What yeah. were you doing before you got doored?
6: Yes, um, and yeah, so yeah, it was. Uh, I still think about it every day. It happened two years ago, and I still think about it. Yeah,
1: we're glad you're okay. Thanks, but, you know, it's a scary thing that can happen to people, and now we see just how common it is. And uh, this report is prompting a lot of conversation. There's an urban planner by the name of Kyle Miller who was cited um, talking about these pedestrian and cyclist collisions. And what Miller said was, if we had 10 people mugged a day or 10 people shot or stabbed, there would be a bigger outcry. But violence on the road has been so normalized, it's not even news anymore. I, I can't disagree with that at all. It just seems like it's become so common. And to give you a perspective on that, actually, I just wanted to pull the numbers really quickly. Because a 1,000 people in the span of about not even three months getting hit on our streets every day, 10 individuals a day, is shocking. But when you want to think about fatalities, I think that actually also helps to really bring it into perspective. You don't have to die in an accident like this in order for it to be serious. We know Mike had his surgeries. It's altered the way that he goes around in town. You don't have to die. Uh, But actually, a lot of people do die. So last year in the city of Toronto, there were, this is 2015, 55 homicides in the city of Toronto. 55. That's about one every week. And of those, about half of them, 27 of the 55 were homicides involving a gun. So that's the kind of crime that in the city of Toronto gets the most attention. That's the kind of violence, maybe, maybe to use a better word, violence, that gets the most amount of attention is gun crime and gun crime that ends with somebody dying. 55 of those in 2015. How many individuals do you think were killed? Cyclists, pedestrians, and motorists in collisions in the city of Toronto in the same year? 65 a 10-year high. There were more individuals killed. I'm talking about cyclists and pedestrians and motorists on the street inside the city of Toronto. There were more people dying in that manner than were shot and killed that were killed in any way in terms of things being deemed a homicide. 55 versus 65. So, you know obviously a statistic like this comes out those of us who are not aware of it go oh my god what are we going to do about it there's been a lot of contemplation about this already including you know the city of toronto coming out with a plan and john tory the mayor coming out with a plan to say we're going to reduce this this is way way too much so the mayor came out with a plan and he said, what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate about sixty-one, uh, sorry, $68 million to road safety over the next five years. And Mayor Tory's stated goal was to reduce the number of people who are getting seriously hurt on the road by 20%, by 20% uh, over a number of years. That's the target here. So you have thousands and thousands of people a year getting hit involving cars, pedestrians, cyclists, and the goal is to reduce that by 20% over several years. Other jurisdictions have tried things like this, and they've actually gotten their numbers down a lot quicker than just, you know, 20% over many, many years. Tony Tedesco, the producer of this program, also a cyclist, also somebody who... Do you feel like you put your life in your hands every day when you're riding outside?
5: On a bike, for sure.
1: So why do you do it?
5: It's convenient for me. I I mean, other than the life-threatening part, it's convenient. It's the best way for me to get around right now.
1: What's the one thing you would do, Tony, to make it a little safer for you to get to and fro every day? What would you do?
5: Um, The separation of bike lanes has to be more apparent. And the... um, Uh, just ticketing, ticketing everyone that that decides they're going to park into that bike lane and and higher fines for 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 uh, for people that open their doors without looking. Um, They I mean, the laws are there. Let's enforce them. Yeah, let's I mean, the laws are there. The lanes are are really coming along. We've got Bloor Street, Sherburn's a beautiful lane. Um, We have the lanes. They're there. But we need to start enforcing the laws. I don't know how many times at an intersection a car will drive right into a bike lane thinking it's a right turn lane. You wouldn't do that if that, a, if that was a car lane
1: next to you. Because you'd get smashed by a one ton yeah, vehicle. Yeah, re-
5: respect the fact that that's a vehicle in the lane
1: with you. I mean, you know, it's getting close to that time of year that I really don't like the time after fall. And we can't even get our bike lanes cleared of snow in the wintertime. Of course, people say that we shouldn't be riding in the wintertime, but that's a whole other discussion for a whole other show, and I am wholly out of time for this one. Thank you, Tony Dedesco, the producer of the program. Thank you, Mike Catherwood on the big board, making me and you and everyone sound great. Thanks to all of you for listening. I will be back with you in seven days, but until then, my name is Desmond Cole. Keep it locked here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.